Heading into the season finale, the playoffs are still within reach for the Seahawks, but they may have to get to the postseason, missing some key players. Nick Lee and I are going to be diving into the lengthy injury report for the Seahawks on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our latest installment of Blue Friday, my co-host Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in my home state of Indiana, you're listening from Florida, or over in Spain. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've got a playoff game coming up. I know it's not quite the postseason, but it's truly a playoff game for the Seattle Seahawks as they try to play into the final wildcard spot in the NFC against their bitter rivals, the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to have to do it, potentially missing some key players. We're going to be taking a look at where the injury situation stands heading into Friday's final practice of the week. We'll devise our game plan for the Seahawks to sweep the Rams and maybe get themselves into the playoffs we got game time and much more on a jam-packed Blue Friday episode. This is brought your way by Bet Bet BetOnline is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Rolling into Sunday's de facto playoff game, the Seahawks have an injury report that would make Santa Claus grateful for his naughty and nice list each year. It's basically longer than a laundry list. This is the longest injury report that I can remember for the Seahawks during the Pete Carroll era. There's certainly been some other times where they've been banged up. And Nick, you know, it's week 18. It's been a long season. You expect there to be a lot of players on the injury report. At the same time, this feels like an extraordinarily long list, even by the end of the season standards for the Seahawks going into a critical must-win game. Yeah, I've read books you know, shorter than this injury list. <laughs> um, I, I believe I counted 10 players that were not participants, I, I think, for the second straight day of practice. Um, uh, some of those were, you know, quote, rest. But yeah, I mean, this this is kind of the attrition of, of the NFL season. And, you know, one of the things that, one of the first things that came to my mind after they announced that they were going to 17 games in the regular season was first, yay, more football, more meaningful football, but also at the same token, man, that's another game where these guys are putting their bodies on the line and, and getting dinged up or, or worse. And, um, and we're kind of seeing that attrition really that, that that's those uh, hens come home to roost in a way with, with that. I'm not, I'm not blaming this all on the week 18 here, but um, you can definitely see them piling up. The, the Seahawks have been relatively fortunate in, in the injury department for a lot of the season. Um, and I think that that <laughs> the football gods might be evening it out a little bit. The, some of them are obviously more concerning than others. The one, I really wish would get back is Ryan Neal, especially for this game. Um, he, he he matches up well with some of the things that the Rams do well, and he he can really he's a really good run defender. Um, I really wish he'd get back. Um, there, there's a few that have the rest designation, like DK Metcalf and Gabe Jackson, Al Woods, um, and and so hopefully you'd like to think that all those guys are good to go. Um, obviously, with this being yes, a de facto you know, pseudo playoff game, you win and you have a chance. You, I mean, it's kind of more you lose and you're out. In, in a playoff game in that sense. So um, you'd obviously like to have all your guys ready, but this is the reality of playing a week 18. 
Yeah, when you have an extra week tacked onto the season and the Seahawks, let's face it, this has kind of been how things have been trending the last three or four weeks. They have, it seems like each week, gradually gotten a longer injury report. And I think some of it has to do with self-preservation. I'll just throw a few names out here. Ken Walker the third has played in the last two games, but I don't think he has practiced a lick in either one of those weeks. The Seahawks are basically putting him in bubble wrap and just trying to make sure that he's ready to go for game day. And we see a lot of teams do that with their star running back. So that's not uncommon. Uchenna Nuosu with his foot injury, from what I've gathered, he's going to be playing this weekend, but they're being very cautious with him right now to make sure that he's ready to go. Tyler Lockett with a sore shin, he is going to play in this football game. If he came back one a little under two weeks after hand surgery, he is going to do everything in his power to play in this game. But that doesn't mean he's going to practice this week. So we'll see. Maybe in Friday's practice, a few of the guys I just mentioned, will be limited participants. They'll get out there a little bit. If they don't, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be playing, especially somebody like Walker or Lockett that has proven that they can go out and play at a high level when they don't practice during the week. And so there is some of that self-preservation, but then there are some worrisome ones. Phil Haynes with a high ankle sprain, Travis Homer with a high ankle sprain. I would be really surprised if either one of those guys plays this weekend just because of the nature of high ankle sprain injuries. Even though Homer is now two weeks removed from his, that's still a very short window to come back from an injury that can take a month or longer to return from. DJ Dallas has been getting out an ankle injury, so he's another one that I think they're just trying to rest to make sure that he's ready to go for Sunday. But you mentioned Ryan Neal. To me, that is the big one. And we'll talk about more later in the show why that's the case. But they've been able to get by the last few weeks with Jonathan Abram and Tease Tabor. Those two, though, are not the same player as Ryan Neal. And he had a big game against the Rams in Week 13. They definitely need number 26 out there. It is not trending the way I think Pete Carroll hoped it would with him missing the first two practices of the week. If he participates at all on Friday, then that's a positive step forward that maybe he'll play. If not, then I would be leaning towards, look, he's probably not going to play in this game and you hope you can squeeze into the playoffs and maybe he'll be healthy for the wild card round. But that is the one big one on there that I'm wondering if he's going to be able to make it back this week, even after sitting out the last two weeks. Yeah, and you, you mentioned uh, Tyler Lockett. You know, he 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 loves to torch the Rams, and so I think he he wants another pound of flesh, especially when you know you can you have an opportunity to kick the Rams while they're down a little bit there, and and because I think they're going to rebound pretty quick as well. So you, Tyler Lockett's is probably itching to go. But yeah, the biggest concerns for me are Ryan Neal and along the offensive line, um, just some of the depth there. You, you'd really like to because we're going to talk about game plan here in a second you're going to need to establish an identity on offense and that's going to require, you know, the offense to be uh, cohesive. And if all of those pieces are not there, then that might be a problem. Even without Aaron Donald, uh, the, the Rams are also dealing with plenty of injuries and shutdowns, especially with, with them not being in the playoffs, but um, and Aaron Donald chief among them is certainly that the Seahawks are, are counting their lucky stars there that they've pretty much avoided the, the, uh, the wrath of Aaron Donald for this season. Um, but that, that won't last, but yeah, that, so that both teams are dealing with it, but you really, um, you, I'm worried more around about Ryan Neal and also in the trenches. Yeah, the good news in the trenches, Abraham Lucas has been limited this week. He didn't practice at all last week with the patellar tendon injury. So there is a chance that we will see Abraham Lucas out there starting at right tackle. And I thought Stone Forsythe did an admirable job the last couple of weeks filling in for him. But you would like to get Abraham Lucas out there for this de facto playoff game if he is able to go. They were hoping him getting a week off would help, and him practicing some this week indicates that maybe he's leaning in the right direction. It's a little different situation than Ryan Neal. Again, 
I'm more pessimistic on that front because you need to get him out of the practice field and just see if he can do anything. And to this point, the Seahawks have not done that. He has not been able to get out there. And we're running low on time to get him ready to play in this football game and missing the last two games. It just might not be in the cards. That would be a significant loss for this particular opponent in a game of this magnitude. Nonetheless, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of the players on this injury report are going to play on Sunday. The question really boils down to how healthy are they and how much does that impact the way that things play out? What do the Seahawks need to do to win this weekend, though, and get the rare season sweep over the Rams? Nick and I are going to be touching on a game plan on offense and defense when we come back on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. It's week 18 of the 2022 season, and I've got Joe Burrow throwing a pair of touchdowns against the Ravens. With Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players that they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections in any sport that you watch whether it's the NBA, MLB, college football, or boxing. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to Blue Friday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're a regular listener or a first-time listener. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast to get your daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories. They offer in-depth analysis on the biggest games with NFL key predictions every Friday. And Monday, local insiders cover the weekend with Game 2 game episodes. Locked On NFL, it's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Seahawks looking for the final wildcard spot in the NFC. The team standing in their way, Bobby Wagner and the Rams coming to Lumen Field on Sunday. You know they're going to be motivated. Bobby Wagner absolutely wants to get the victory over his former team and show them that you made a mistake letting me go and knock him out of the playoffs. He'd love nothing more than that. So let's talk game planning strategy because, Nick, it's weird. You know, it's only been five weeks since these teams played, and yet there's a Really big difference on the offensive side of the ball for the Rams compared to that first game. Defensively, a lot of the same characters, but it does feel like this might be a game where the game plan is a little bit different than it was going down to L.A. five weeks ago, even on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it is going to be a little different. Um, you know, of course, starting with Bobby Wagner, you know, listening to some of the comments he had this week, he is he's foaming at the mouth to, to perhaps shut that playoff door uh, firmly closed for the Seahawks, and, and you know it's going to be emotional. Obviously, you know the, the reception should be pretty warm for him. And he had last game against the Seahawks. I wouldn't say one of the best games of the season. He had one of the best games of his career <laughs> against the Seahawks a couple, you know, last month. It, it was quite a spectacular. Two sacks, you know, seven tackles, uh, an interception. You know, we'll, we'll, we go into that later. But um, as far as the game plan goes. You got to start on early downs, and you got to start through the air. I know that's that's a little bit. You now you don't hear that too much, especially with the Seahawks team. You, we're always talking, you know, establish the run, you know, play keep away and all that stuff. But I think this is a, a special case. You know, the playoffs are on the line. This is a playoff game. You got to be aggressive, 
And I think this is the one where you got to pass to set up the run, get those quick strikes. The Rams uh, are, are not are less than spectacular against the pass. Um, they they actually are 24th in, in the yards uh, after catch, but they're also 27th in pressure percentage. That, that certainly is hurt by the fact that they don't have Aaron Donald there right now. They're 26th in yards per attempt allowed, and they also allow the third highest completion percentage in the NFL. So the the opportunities are there to establish the pass. Yeah, I think that this is one of those rare games where you are you are setting up the run with the passing game. And they had so much success on early downs the first time that these two teams met. And I don't know that that was necessarily one of the structures of their game plan going in, but as the game progressed, that's what it turned into. And I think you it's one of those situations where you don't want to overplay your hand. You know, coaches sometimes they overthink things. This is how you attack this Rams team with the injuries that they've got without number 99 out there. Some of the other players they're missing on this defense. Go after them with the passing attack because the Rams are actually in the bottom 10 in the NFL in rushing yards allowed and yards per carry. This has been a pretty decent run defense, even without Aaron Donald. They've done a decent job slowing down opposing running games. Some of that has to do with the presence of Bobby Wagner in the middle. We know that he is a machine getting tackles and they've got some other good players. They're still on this defense. So I'm not saying don't run the ball because you need to be balanced, but this is one of those games where I think you come out with a pass first mentality, be aggressive. And I think that sets you up. That was really the last game the Seahawks had where they did a good job moving the chains. And it was because they had a lot of success on early downs, throwing the football, especially after Ken Walker, the third left early with an ankle injury that still is lingering up to this point, they were able to, Keep on schedule. And that really leads in perfectly to our second thing here. This is, you know, you can say this about every game, but against this particular opponent in a game of this significance, you've got to find a way to keep your offense on the field and sustain drives. I, I'll mention this later. There will be some opportunities maybe to get some big plays, but this is a Rams defense that ranks 26 in the NFL in third down conversion rate. They have had a hard time this year getting off the field, particularly without Aaron Donald. It's a team that's had issues with sustained drives. The Seahawks have been the polar opposite on offense. You have to find a way to protect your defense a little bit, keep them fresh, have some sustained drives. That gives you a better chance to get Ken Walker, DJ Dallas, and company rolling on the ground too because Pete Carroll's talked about this time and time again. You want to get at least 15, 20 carries out of those guys so that you can wear down the opponent. You can't do that if you're on the sideline because you keep getting three and outs or having quick possessions. So they're going to have to find ways. And again, I think this leans heavily in the passing game on early downs, have some successful plays in first and second down, throwing the football, get the run game going off of that and sustain drives. It'd be nice to have some possessions that were five, six minutes long and you go down and you punch it into the end zone against a defense that has had their share of issues stopping third down and slowing down opponents in the red zone. So to me, staying on schedule more so than even in a normal week, I think it is critical against this team because if you do get behind the sticks, they still have a few guys that can turn up the heat and they were able to do that some on Geno Smith in the first matchup. Yeah, and there, there is a little bit uh, of vulnerability there for the Rams. Uh, 31st, second to last in the NFL in time of possession average um, allowed on defense. Yep. So um, or, or, or per drive, sorry, I should say. Time per drive allowed on defense, 31st, second to last in the league. So the opportunity is there for the Seahawks to to chunk up, you know, take, take, a, take a lot of the clock out, take the air out of the ball, so to speak, in that way. And then thirdly, 
And, and, and another one, we kind of talked about this a little bit with the Jets, with uh, with Sauce Gardner. You don't you don't want to totally shy away from him, but certainly you want to take to pick your spots with Jalen Ramsey. That's usually how we have this conversation. This year, he's had the worst year of his career, and he's uh, it, it's he's allowed five touchdowns and a ninety six point six passer rating this year. Both of them are career worsts per Pro Football Reference. So you need to schedule some shots so to just scheme up some shots. And and really try to take advantage of, of some chunk plays, and you know, you know DK Metcalf's going to be foaming at the mouth to take advantage of that, and you know he's he's got that. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a friendly rivalry. It's certainly turned less than friendly on the field between Ramsey and Metcalf a little bit, but um, certainly there's there's an opportunity there. And I know some of it isn't Ramsey's fault. He's a fantastic corner. I'm not saying he's not. He's he's just with some of the pieces falling around him. It's hard to be. You know, maintaining elite production and Jalen, and that's kind of fallen off for Ramsey. They don't have that elite pass rush this year, um, so really, the, the Seahawks are going to have an opportunity to take shots, and you best not miss. Yeah, and it's not just about Ramsey. I'm not saying Geno Smith needs to be targeting him 15 times in this game because that's still bad business. Jalen Ramsey is still a guy that can get an interception anytime that he's targeted and make big plays. And so, I'm not saying disrespect him at all, but. Don't shy away from him either, especially because DK Metcalf, for whatever reason, it seems like he plays his best against Jalen Ramsey. He always seems to step up against him. And there were some games he should have big numbers and Russell Wilson could get the football to him. Geno Smith did a good job getting the football to him, including the game winning touchdown in week 13. He just seems to have that different edge to him when he's playing against Ramsey. So you know Geno's going to take those shots. He's going to be willing to get the ball downfield to DK Metcalf and try to win that matchup. But I'm looking at the other corner positions as well as the safety. I think that's been part of the issue for Jalen Ramsey too. They've had some injuries at safeties. Their safeties have not been playing very well. And teams have been able to get over the top on them some. They're giving up 7.4 yards per pass attempt this year. Some of that boils down to giving up big yardage after the catch not all downfield bombs, but they have given up some big plays. And so this secondary away from Jalen Ramsey, it's a very young group. They've got some rookies playing significant snaps. You want to take advantage of that, especially assuming Tyler Lockett's going to be healthy and ready to go on Sunday. You're going to have some of your other secondary receivers available, your tight ends. The skill positions are set up there for them to be able to take some of those shots downfield. And I think that was the thing that they did really well in week 13. They did get a few shots downfield. They created some big plays after the catch. Lockett in particular had a couple big catches where he picked up big yardage after the catch. So this is a defense that's primed to do that. You just have to scheme it up. You can't come out right out of the bat and say, you know what, I'm just going to chuck a 50-yard bomb to DK Metcalf. That's not going to work. But you got to set it up with your short to intermediate passing game, running the football and scheme those deep balls, and I think they can do that. Now, let's shift our gears to defense, and our listeners, if you listened to the show yesterday with Locked on Rams, our crossover, I brought this up a little bit, but I want to expand more on it because this is something that has become extremely frustrating when the Seattle Seahawks play the Los Angeles Rams during the Sean McVay era. For whatever reason, it's one of those situations I don't think Sean McVay has been like a rocket scientist or anything. It's not like he's been doing things that are brand new every time. In fact, it's been the polar opposite. But it has been jet sweeps and the crossers to the middle of the field on play action off of it. It's a very simple offense and yet very difficult to stop out of just a set number of formations. You have to find a way to not let Sean McVay beat you with his usual formula, the window dressing that he brings to the table, particularly the jet sweeps. I don't know what it is. 
jet sweeps against other teams, even the 49ers when they've mixed in some jet sweeps in the past, the Seahawks have been able to, for the most part, hold up against those. But when the Rams run them, it's almost like they're playing keep away. They've got cooties. Like everybody moves away from the edge. And it's been extremely frustrating. That continued in that first matchup in week 13 where Brandon Powell killed them with a couple big carries on jet sweeps. And then they get those crossers on the play action game. And, and they typically ran them a little bit deeper against the Seahawks and they've been able to take advantage of their linebackers. And you don't have Jordan Brooks out there. Tanner Muse now taking over as a starter next to Cody Barton. The good news is both those guys have safety backgrounds, so maybe they will be a little better in that regard, but they are going to have to take away those crossers. They're going to have to be able to take away those jet sweeps, play the edge better. I'm looking for more snaps from Boye Mafe because he's shown that he can handle that really well. He's been excellent against the run in general, but they can't let the jet sweep kill him because once they give up a few plays on that, it opens up the rest of the playbook off of those jet sweeps, and this often suddenly becomes extremely difficult to contain. So don't let that same formula burn you like it has so many times. Yeah, my 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 four year old uh, son is very into Pixar, anything Pixar. So he, he watches uh, Bugs Life, which is you know a throwback. And there's that a part where the one of the bugs is flying towards the bugs. They're like, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. And then he gets zapped. That's the Seahawks against the jet sweep against the Rams. Something just zones them into the backfield. or They, just, or they, they lose their minds. Like they, <laughs> they forget how to play football. It's strange. <laughs> and then they get zapped uh, for, you know, a 25, 30-plus yard <laughs> gain there uh, for the jet sweep. So, yeah, discipline is going to absolutely be, be key here. Um, again, I, I mentioned it before, Ryan Neal. I uh, really, really hope he can play. I, I, I know it's kind of doubtful, but you, you really miss him. He's actually per pro football focus the Seahawks' best-graded run defender. And the Seahawks are absolutely going to need it, especially with it being a safety position. You can kind of move around and and pick up the pieces if, if a jet sweep does start to wiggle loose. Um, so you'd love to see him play. If not, you know, Jonathan Abram, that's going to be a big task. Um, the linebackers, Cody Barton, especially, especially with the, with the super unfortunate in, uh, injury to Jordan Brooks. I was in the building uh, for that game and for that moment. And even with the Seahawks playing super well, that took a lot of an, the air out of the building, seeing the cart come out for Jordan Brooks. The Seahawks are going to miss him, especially here. Um, so you got to stay disciplined. Yeah. And I think when you're talking discipline, it doesn't just, it's not just restricted to the jet sweeps. It's also to just the run game in general, because you go back to that game in week 13. I mean, Cam Akers, what a route that he has taken this year. Beginning of the season, they're thinking this could be a breakout year. And then they basically sent him home, and it looked like he would never play another down for the team. And then they were desperate, so they bring him back, and all he's done is have back-to-back 100-yard rushing performances. And really what kick-started his season, getting him back in the fold for the Rams, was leading a touchdown drive against the Seahawks on the opening drive of the game in week 13. And the Seahawks run defense, we know it's well documented how bad they have been most of this year. You know the Rams are going to lean heavily on Cam Akers. They're going to get him the football. And they were able to do that successfully, at least early in the game, in the first matchup between these two teams. So the Seahawks run defense, their discipline, their run fits have to be better than what they were in that football game. We've seen improvements the last few weeks. Can it carry over against Sean McVay's offense? That is going to be crucial to this game. And this is the one thing that gets recycled week in, week out. But when you have one weakness that is this bad as the Seahawks run defense has been, any smart team is going to be looking to take advantage of it. And so it's always going to be a key to the game plan. we got to find a way to take away that run game and put everything in Baker Mayfield's lap. 
Yeah, and just one more note on the run game that the Seahawks are one in seven when allowing over 150 rushing yards this year. That one win was, of course, the Rams, 171 yards. Um, so, and they're seven and one when they allow less than 150. So, there's a bit of a formula there for the Seahawks um, to certainly keep Cam Akers at bay because the Rams would love nothing more than to just give it to Cam Akers a million times and just keep the Seahawks offense off the field. And as far as setting it up for Baker Mayfield, you're right. He, he's he's actually pretty decent against the blitz. 79% of the passes against the blitz as a Ram is completed. Um, and the, the the Seahawks really need to, to generate a pass rush, much like you need to, to consume your food organically, naturally, without a lot of manufacturing. That, I think that's the defensive formula for, for, uh, for pressure in this game. They, they don't need a lot of, you know, artificial and manufacturing of, you know, blitzes. I think it, the Seahawks absolutely need to get home with four or five rushers, you know, with your Daryl Taylors, your Trenton Wosus, Shelby Harris, uh, you know, Al Woods, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, Mafe, uh, Bruce Irvin, you have, you name it. Um, those guys need to get home. And because as soon as you start, as soon as, if that's not working, if, if you know, Cam Akers is rolling and you're forced to blitz Baker Mayfield, that's how you lose to the Los Angeles Rams in week 18 with the playoffs on the line. So you got to force, you know, keep them contained, but also not go crazy with blitzes. Yeah, it needs to be like last week against the Jets. Most of the pressure that the Seahawks were getting was with four-man fronts, four-man rushes. They weren't bringing extra pressure a lot. They were getting after it with their edge guys, and then that was having a ripple effect on the players in the interior. And this is not a Rams team that's got juggernauts at tackle. So they should be able to generate pressure off the edge again, and that should open the door for Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford and company to be able to get after Baker Mayfield. He has not been good against pressure, 44% completion rate, but when teams bring five or more, as you mentioned, almost 80% completion rate, two touchdowns, no picks. So he has been a assassin against blitzes, but regular pressure bearing down on him when coverage drops back with seven, eight uh, droppers, he has not been near as effective. So this is going to be a game, again, can you generate pressure with that front line? If you can, it gives you a much better chance to slow down a Rams offense. Missing weapons, the outs. It's Blue Friday. We love to play games on Blue Friday. So we're going to play a little bit of what's more likely coming up next in our third segment here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Blue Friday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, each Friday by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For your second listen, check out the Locked On NFL podcast, bringing you the local insights you love to the national spotlight with daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories. Locked On NFL is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, we switched gears a week ago. All season long, we were doing X-Factors and what what Seattle needs to do, what they absolutely must do to win. We had a formula going, much like Sean McVay has a formula against the Seahawks, but it wasn't working anymore. Uh, the defense made adjustments. So last week, we went back to our games and the Seahawks won. So we're going to keep playing games today. 
And last week we did a little bit of, I'm trying to remember what the game we played last week was actually. It's been a week and I, my memory doesn't jog. But anyway, we're going to be doing what's more likely on today's show. And we're going to have two different topics or two different predictions that may happen in this game. And you and I are going to discuss and debate which is more likely to happen against the Rams on Sunday. So let's get it rolling here on the offensive side of the ball, Nick. What's more likely? Ken Walker eclipses 1,000 rushing yards or Geno Smith surpasses 4,300 passing yards in this game against the Rams? Ooh, both of those are, are – this is one of those where it's it's pretty – it's feasible to think both could happen. Um, I, I think Walker needs 61 rushing yards, I believe, to get 1,000, and Geno Smith needs a, a touch over 230 passing yards. I'm going to say Geno. He, here's why. He needs 231 yards to, to get to 4,300. Last time against the Rams, he set what is still his season high for passing yards, 367 yards. The Rams are still a little bit better versus the run than they are the pass, even without uh, Donald and even with Jalen Ramsey the back there at corner. This game, I think, sets up better for Geno Smith to start to, to accumulate more yards. Um, I actually would go on the record saying both of these things are going to happen. But if I had to pick one that's more likely, I'm going to go Geno. Yeah, I think Geno has a better likelihood just because of the matchup and the fact that the Rams have been vulnerable in the secondary. Their pass rush has not been great. They've had their issues giving up yards after the catch. So it's an easier opportunity than, say, the Jets last week where you knew it was going to be tough to get chunk plays because of their secondary talent. This is going to be a little different animal that is more favorable for Seattle's passing attack. The run offense has turned the corner the last couple of weeks. So Ken Walker III has a great chance. Last week, I thought he wasn't going to get to 60 yards. He did it on the first carry of the game. So that's how crazy this sport is sometimes. And really, the Jets held him in check after that play. But that one run, that one massive run, gave him a pretty nice stat line for the entire day. I think he can get to 65 to 70 rushing yards in this game. So both these have a good chance of happening. I just would have more confidence if I had to put a bet on one of these. I'd have more confidence in Geno Smith throwing for 231 plus yards against this defense. And I think in this game, they're going to need him to be able to move the ball. Some we talked about being aggressive early with the passing game. That's going to lead into getting more opportunities to get yardage for the Seahawks. Next one here on defense. What's more likely Tyler Higby posts fewer than 50 receiving yards or Seattle holds Cam Akers under 90 rushing yards. Well, Tyler Higby went for, I believe, two catches for 14 yards last game against the Seahawks. Um, he's only had one game above 30 yards receiving since Thanksgiving, um, and, which was two weeks ago. Cam Akers is on fire. Back-to-back 115-plus rushing yards. Uh, it, it, I, I think it seems more likely that they stifle Tyler Higby than Cam Akers. He, he's just – and the Seahawks, especially on, on defense themselves, have been much better at, at, against the pass and then against the run generally over the whole season. So I, I think it's it's more likely that they hold uh, Higby under 50 yards. I'm going to go the other direction, and this will surprise some of our listeners because maybe I'm just putting too much faith in a run defense that has been better the last couple of weeks. And I thought they did a decent job against Cam Akers the last three quarters in their first matchup. They just got off to a very slow start. Higby worries me, though, because he has been much better since Baker Mayfield came into the lineup. He actually has a quarterback that's going to throw the football to him. 16 catches for 132 yards, and all three of his touchdowns this year have happened in the three starts that Baker Mayfield has been under center. 
We know the Seahawks' historical issues with tight ends. They had some problems even last week in the game dealing with tight ends. I, I just, for whatever reason, Higby has been a Seahawks killer, and it didn't happen in the first matchup because, quite frankly, his quarterback wasn't looking for him, and they needed him in there as a sixth lineman with how poor the line was playing. He was blocking a lot. They haven't had to do that the last three weeks, and he's got a quarterback that actually wants to get the football to him. So I'm actually concerned about Higby in this game. Going above 50 yards, to me, seems like something that has a pretty good chance of happening. The Seahawks actually held Akers down under 90 last time. I don't know if they can do it a second time. This kind of feels like the last one, except polar opposite. I don't know if Seattle can do either one of these, but I'm really worried about Tyler Higby in this game. All right, back to the offensive side of the ball here, Nick. What's more likely? DK Metcalf scores twice against Jalen Ramsey or tight ends combined for 100 receiving yards. Well, last game against the Rams, the Seahawks tight ends uh, combined for 100 or excuse me, for 76 total yards. They actually haven't reached 100 collectively since November 6th against the Cardinals. So not since their Germany trip. But that, that game against the Cardinals, I believe Noah Fan had like 95 or 96 yards by himself. Um, so I and, and DK Metcalf really, like you mentioned, I think really level uh, levels up his game against Jalen Ramsey. He had a really fantastic game against the Rams last last time out last month. I think this is more likely, in my opinion, that Metcalf toasts Ramsey twice than the Seahawks uh, feeded their tight ends enough to get the 100 yards. The Seahawks just don't do that much. I mean, I know they had a, they had some really nice things happen with the tight ends. It was a tight end palooza against the Jets, pretty much. Um, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen to the level to get them 100 yards. I think it's more likely, especially with some of the struggles that Ramsey has had this year. I know it's not all been his fault. He's still a fine corner. And just in, in general, I think that, you know, the, the, the Metcalf levels up this game. So I'm going to go, it's more likely that, that Metcalf scores twice. I was leaning towards the tight ends, but I was looking at the stats that you were in 100 yards from your tight end group it is challenging to accomplish. Even with the talent the Seahawks have in that position group, I could see them getting 80 to 90 in this game. But 100 as a group is going to be tough. DK Metcalf has not scored for several weeks. He is beyond overdue, and you know he is always champion of the bit to face Jalen Ramsey. I actually like the chances of him scoring two touchdowns in this game. I don't know if both of them will be with Ramsey on him because Ramsey doesn't move with him. Remember the last game where he was kind of going like this while he's motioning, like, follow me over here. Yeah, so uh, we don't know if Metcalf is going to have Ramsey on him all the time and create that opportunity, but... I would lean towards Metcalf scoring twice against Ramsey just because he has owned this matchup. And I think he's got the confidence going in thinking, you know what, my skill set against yours, I like my skill set and my size against you. And this is a matchup that he always gets jacked up for. So I agree with you. I'm going to go Metcalf on that one being more likely than the tight ends going over 100. Back on defense, Daryl Taylor hits 10 plus sacks for the first time in his career or Tariq Woolen picks off lucky number seven. Well, uh, Daryl Taylor is at 8.5 sacks, so he needs a sack and a half here. He's coming off of easily the best game of his NFL career to this point, two and a half sacks against the Jets. Um, and Mayfield himself has, has been pretty pretty economical and, and pretty safe for the football. He's only thrown one interception in the four games and 103 attempts with the Rams. Really has, has really experienced a little bit of a mini renaissance with the Rams. It's kind of been fun to watch as, as a neutral football fan. Um, but of course, with the Seahawks, I, I hope he crashes and burns this week. But um, and he's been pretty safe with the football mostly. Um, so I, and, and the Rams with their with their pass blocking has been you know hit and miss. 
I actually think it's more likely this week that Daryl Taylor continues that hot streak and gets a sack and a half against Baker Mayfield. Then Baker Mayfield throws Tariq Wollin's way for an interception. I, I, another one where maybe both, if both happen, I think the Seahawks win this game handily. Um, but as far as the likelihood, I think it's uh, Daryl Taylor is going to ride that momentum and get another sack and a half. Yeah, I made a prediction on yesterday's show that I'm going to be sticking with here. I think Daryl Taylor gets two sacks in this football game. I just I look at the Rams' tackles, and even Rob Habenstein has had kind of an average year for his standards. And his biggest issue in his career has been dealing with speed rushers, which Daryl Taylor is absolutely a speed rusher, and he's been playing to those strengths as of late. Rather than, I'm going to use 16 combo moves, you know what? I'm really dang good at running by people, so that's what I'm going to do. And he has been doing it really well the last couple of weeks. I like this matchup for him. Baker Mayfield can be a tough quarterback to sack sometimes, but I just think the offensive line matchup there is working in favor of Daryl Taylor being able to get back there and wreak havoc, especially in front of the home crowd, the Rams being in a silent count. I think there's just everything lining up for him to continue this second-half resurgence and finish the year with double-digit sacks. I think there's a chance Woolen could get pick number seven, too. He has been really close a couple times the last few weeks. Mayfield is going to have to tread carefully there. But, again, if I'm looking at one thing to gamble onto these two, it would be Daryl Taylor getting those sacks just because of the way he's playing, the confidence he's playing with, and the opponent they've got on the other side of the ball. We've got one real quick one here to wrap up our game, and then we'll get to our predictions before signing off here. A fun one here, Nick. What's more likely, Pete Carroll goes 100% on replay challenges or Seattle doesn't allow 20-plus yards on a jet sweep? <laughs> well, if the question is what's more likely, can I answer uh, C? I get to play at golf at Augusta National. <laughs> um that uh, for reals though Pete Carroll's one for six in challenges I'm not going to bet that with actual money with a 39 and a half foot pole so uh, I'll take my chances with the Seahawks stopping the jet sweep this this week you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna give Pete Carroll the benefit of the doubt I think he is gonna step <laughs> up here with the playoffs on the line and I think that there's gonna be one replay opportunity and it's actually gonna be one he should challenge which that's a very rare occasion and I think he's going to win it because I don't trust the defense to not give up a big play against the jet sweep. Then that to me is just burning your money. So I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. I don't like my odds on either one of these, but I know what I'll give Pete Carroll the benefit of the doubt in the game. Maybe in this one, his focus will be heightened because of who they're playing and the stakes that they're dealing with. And, and maybe at that point he will make really sound decisions with challenges very optimistic thinking here with Pete Carroll, who has admitted himself that, you know, sometimes I just like to challenge just for the sake of challenging. So maybe he won't do that in this game. Real quick, Nick, are the Seahawks going to put themselves in position to make the postseason, or is it going to be another losing season on Sunday? I think they're in a good spot with, with some of the injuries and and, and just the, the down year the Rams have had and the matchups, like we've talked about ad nauseum this week that you've talked about as well. Um, I think the Seahawks get it done. There'll, some, there'll be some plays in the passing game that open up. DK Metcalf is going to be highly motivated. Like you mentioned, he hasn't scored in a while, and he's facing his best his best buddy in the whole wide world, Jalen Ramsey. So I think that'll elevate his game. And I'm going to go Seahawks win this 23 to 14. I think it might be a multi score multi score victory. I think that this team's going to be motivated. I'm not quite as confident in that regard as you. I do think the Seahawks win this game, but. This is that pesky, I don't want to say the trap game because it's week 18, you've got to win to get in the playoffs, but 
you just don't want to overlook the Rams, even with the injuries they've got. Baker Mayfield is an upgrade over John Wolford. So I'm going to go 26 to 20 Seahawks. I think that it's a little higher scoring than what you're thinking. And I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think there's going to be some big plays that go against the Seahawks just because this matchup always has weird things that happen. But I think the Seahawks, the talent is going to outweigh what the Rams bring in, in terms of motivation and hungriness to pull the upset. So I think it's a close one, but I think the Seahawks get the win. Then the real question becomes, do the Detroit Lions provide the help for them knowing that they're eliminated? And you just got to sit back and, and hope that that falls your way. And maybe then you can get into the postseason. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. You could also get us on Amazon. Just tell Alexa, I want to listen to Locked on Seahawks and it's on demand. So we're on all major platforms. Make sure to subscribe for free. Coming up on Sunday after the game, hopefully we'll be breaking down a Seahawks victory while also keeping close eyes on what's going on in the scoreboard with the Lions and the Packers. We'll have our weekly postcast, game balls, predictions, all kinds of fun stuff. We'll get to that on Sunday. Hope you'll be joining in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and the game. Go Hawks.